when you're having any experiences in life, you hope and pray that you're around people who you can share it with because then it really takes on meaning. Don't you know that the music should be solemn? This is Theo Rossi. This is Kim Coates. And this is Theory. Ready? You got it? Yeah, I got it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I got my teeth in. I'm ready. Well, 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 let's see if this works. All right. We've admitted him, but I don't see anything. We don't see anything yet. We don't see anything. This uh, oh oh well. How about now? <laughs> why why do you have such good lighting? I don't understand. It's just what Mother Nature provided for me. <laughs> That's a nice hotel room. I'm sitting. Thank you very much. Is um, that your bathroom, Pearl? Are you in a bathroom? Where <laughs> I designed it myself. Um, we'll get to where I am momentarily. Where are you, Kim? I'm in Toronto, hanging out. Hanging are you in out. a hotel? Oh, you're in your apartment. Well, just tell everybody what I have. Sure, go right ahead. Millions of people around the world. It's funny, Pearl. People go, so wait, do you live? I go, I can't tell you. I can't, I can't tell you. Yes. Well, now, sorry, but now the, the, the secret's out. <laughs> the secret's no, out. No, after, right after I left. By the way, you. just Google Kim. That's with a K. <laughs> Google Maps. It'll take you right to his living room. He'll give you a virtual tour. <laughs> so you went through you went through a bit of the ringer you're you're now somewhere else you weren't supposed to be there pearl tell us what happened <laughs> um is this are we recording or is this yeah, yeah. among yeah. Um, among friends <laughs> of course you know I, I can use all the friends i can get so whoever 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 has the temerity to be listening to this you know it's your fucking funeral anyway um uh, I had COVID all last week. How was that? I was supposed to, huh? How was that? Bad or good? I had a very mild case of COVID because I'm double vaxxed and double boosted. Me too. And, and um, it turned out I started to get like some cold symptoms, you know, a little scratchy throat, some minor cough. And then it quickly turned into a, 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 a kind of a generic head cold, very mild, moved through me in about three days. I was completely asymptomatic. In the process of doing all that, I also did you test every day. I'm just curious. Did you test every day, like while you were doing it? Well, no. I tested the minute I felt scratchy. Yeah, and I tested. I tested negative, but then I happened to have my yearly physical, and my doctor swabbed me just because he said you sound stuffy. Let's just see what's what's up. And then the Memorial Day weekend happened, so I didn't get the results back till Tuesday when I he told me. <laughs> No, you've had COVID since Friday. Wow. Well, at least since Friday. Excellent. So, uh, but by now I'm like four days in. Um, I'm isolating anyway because you know I you know I anytime one you know sneezes, yeah, um, askew, you know, yeah, pull down the blinds, you know, <laughs> order up some Netflix and chill, baby, you know, <laughs> just hide out. That's what we're all used to doing. So I'm doing that. And um, and then I tested every single day and I kept testing positive. But I had I was supposed to travel Friday to see all my dear friends in Niagara Falls. 
Um, and that was the first day I tested negative. I Yay. Decided, decided to get on the plane and I've been testing every single day since negative. Thank God. And um, here we are. And here I am in Biloxi, Mississippi. Well, because then you went to Niagara, which I missed out on. We talked about that. And then you went to New York to see the family and you were like, oh, hey, we'll do it. We'll 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 do it from New York. And then you call me up and go, hey, I fucked up. I am. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in Biloxi. And you would just like, did you make it? To, your... Did you make it to see Brandon at all? Were you able to see your boy at all? Yeah, no, I, I had it scared in my head. And I'm sure that I was right about this because you're always right, Pearl. It was. I mean, that's the position. I, that's my default position. <laughs> Ask anybody. They'll tell you. According to the Pearl, he's always right. Is it okay if I call myself the Pearl? I didn't yeah, give yeah, myself yeah, that yeah. nickname. I know yeah, that there's a rule Speak to yourself in the third, yeah. <laughs> you, if somebody gave that. me the nickname, I'm, I'm good, right? Yeah. Okay, that. so uh, anyways, what was the question? Did you see your son? You were going to see... Uh, yes, yeah, so I had it in my thing. I was going to... I was supposed to do a movie in Toronto, then shoot like 15 minutes to Niagara Falls Convention, then shoot down to New York for two nights, hang out, see my both my kids and my son who just presented me with my very first grandchild. Yay. He's growing like yes. leaps and bounds. They're going to be in New York for like the next nine months. So if I want to see him, I got to do that. And it just fit in perfectly. <clears throat> and I, I coordinated all of this, you know, and I looked over it like 40 times because it all had to work <laughs> hand in glove. How'd that and, work out for you? Um, then somehow along the way, they changed the itinerary of this gig here. And I didn't look at the email, which is you know, I'm famous for. Um, so that was where the fuck up happened. <clears throat> but all's well that ends well, because I spent the entire day Sunday with the kids. Good. I bonded with the grandson. He is um, deliciously. Um, he's, he's singular. There's never been a baby like him. How he's, old is he? I think. I think Nietzsche might have called him the Ubermensch. <laughs> the Ubermensch. How old is he you now? You know, remember Phil Nietzsche? He was a football yeah. coach. Yeah, Phil Nietzsche. Yeah. He was an offensive line coach for the Packers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That guy. He has a distant, distant. phraseology. <laughs> <laughs> what is he, six months, seven months? Is he a couple months old? February 8th puts it, what, a little, like, Around four months, right around four months. I remember that. And when I first, like, I last saw him when he was first born in, 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 um, you know, not to like talk negative about my own grandson, much less babies in general, but you know, he was, it was not much to it. You know, it was just like, yeah, just like this this blob. Now he's, he's reactive. How how dare babies be all like that? How dare they? I know, man. It's just like so needy. Basically what old people become as they get older. So what happens at the end of life? Yeah. I got shit to do. Give me something, kid. Give me, give me more here. I need more. Yeah. So, but now at four months and I haven't seen him in at least a month, he, he's got an awareness about his surroundings and he's, he interacts with, he, you could hear, when he hear, heard my voice, he went, oh, wait a minute. Beauty and the Beast, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing he would come up with. That's the you. first he's, thing he's, he would say. He's Blade too, right? <laughs> he's, like, wait so, a um, <laughs> he's really, he's really up on his culture. He's uh, a typical Perlman. 
<laughs> he's consumed a lot of media in four months that he's done this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that happens. That's the one thing those those little blobs can do, man. They can consume. The <laughs> they best consume. Of so you were in Niagara with all these knuckleheads. You and I have seen each other a bunch. We'll see each other again in a couple of weeks. This whole thing has been a bit of a, a cool thing that we've all been able to kind of reconnect after COVID and kind of start seeing each other again. Um, and then Kim and I started doing this completely by mistake. And it's been one of the stranger and dare I say enlightening things, because it's kind of made me look at everything in a really different way. It's kind of Kim and I were just saying yesterday that it's made me have peace with a lot of things of this that I needed. And like we said about you yesterday, like you said, who am I without my anger? Um, you know, it's, it is something where I've looked at this whole thing with this show and the experience of it. Cause I remember you saying to me while we were doing it, you said something like, you know, these are a rarity, these things you've been fortunate to be a part of a couple of rarities, right? Yeah. Where things have hit the zeitgeist and they've kind of, but we know, and, and you know, this from your, you know, long career as a character actor and really been you know, whatever, these, these things don't happen a lot, right? What happened no. with this show? And I think what him and I talk about a lot is that I wish that I knew that when I was doing it, but I think that I was in such fucking fear all the time of, of you know, because of the way the, that it was set up that I don't think we got to enjoy it like we did the first few seasons, you know, where it was, uh, you know, different is, is the way we like to say it. So I know that you've been through a roller coaster of whatever with everything with this, but at the same time, here you are in Niagara with everybody here, me and you are going to do this thing this many years later. At this point, what's your overall like view of that time now? Because I know it's different than a few years ago. Well, it's just so mixed because um, it was, I have never been so deeply emotionally entangled yeah with a group of people yeah and i say that not, it was not all good a lot of it was funky and a lot of it got into like armed camps you know like there was th this group over here it's like almost like schoolyard shit but the overall feeling for me was i mean i i did the show for six seasons and there was a lot of uh ups and downs and ins and outs and really really dark times really like you know um pushing my 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 buttons of of anger and betrayal and and yet every single day i went to work almost i got a speeding ticket because i couldn't <laughs> wait i couldn't wait to be with you jamokes i mean you know it was i couldn't wait to just i wanted to share you know how you want to when you're having any experiences in life you hope and pray that you're around people who you can share it with, because then it really takes on meaning. You never guess what happened to me today. Right. And that was that group for me. You know, I couldn't wait to be around you guys, especially I mean, the two, the, the two guys who were on this little thing here were, were my closest go-tos. Yeah. But the group in general was this almost mythic kind of, uber family I'm, I'm using that word again but it, it really and it, it it superseded my own family it superseded everything that else that was going around with it and then there was all the trippiness of the fact that um 
the, the way the world was giving this unbelievable cosmic hug to us. Wherever yeah. we went, we were royalty. And, you know, I have had a tremendous amount of really cool things happen to me on a career basis, but nothing compares to um, the way this thing commercially um, intersected with the zeitgeist in a way that was holistically uh, moved people the world over. I mean, because while we were doing the show and since then, I've, I've traveled over, I've, I've, you know, I've worked over six and a half continents. Um, I don't think I've made a movie in Antarctica. Not yet. That's the only one. You know, but I can tell you, man, um, you know, having done one cool gig after another, Sons was the only one that really like did what a show can do when the, when the whole world embraces it and says, holy shit, man, that was cool. And so there was that whole aspect of it. But then there was all the other stuff. And since since that time. Um through the magic and the grace of God and the fact that I'm still here to be able to look back and keep examining what my place in all of this was. I was no angel. You know, I had uh, um, my own toxicity and still do. I'm still fighting my own kind of like uh, we demons. We all are. You know, um, and so it was, it was a kind of a, uh, a, a recipe for big arcs, epic uh, reactions, and um, went over way together. And we, we, you know, we 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 were asked about moments of the show. Our reactions are still to this day rather epic because uh, big shit happened during those times. Um, but I will tell you that the further I get from it, the more I realize the more um, I realized how much I love you guys, how much uh, I love that God put me in a place where I could experience something like that and even fall on my face a lot and look like a complete bendejo, you know, a real <laughs> schmuck. That's part of it, man. You know, the, 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 the only problem with anything like that is that you never get a chance to look back at it and go, man, I was a fucking jerk. <laughs> and I'm willing to do that. So, I, you know, um, that's, I think I'm answering your question, Theo, because that's, it was, it was not any one thing. It was a million different yeah. things. And I, yeah. I, I, I want to, Theo, if I can, I just, yeah. I, I have to say this now because Ronnie, you can imagine how Theo and I've been doing this for over two years now. And we, we've talked about, Every show, I mean, I don't know about you, but Theo and I, we, we thought we'd watched about maybe a third of them, maybe 30 of the 92. We hadn't seen two thirds of them for sure. So for a lot of this Reaper review, it's been going back to the past to watch things for the first time. And I have to tell everybody, and people know this, but I have to say it, say it again, that when I got cast as Tate, the night before, we were then the next morning at 5.30 in the morning, going to start the reshoot of the pilot. I was told by Kelly Jones in my trailer, getting on jeans, I don't even know if they fit, boots, I, don't, I had no hair, that Ron Perlman was now playing Clay. And I, I'll never forget going into the van with you 
and turning over my shoulder. You were supposed to be in Detroit or just you'll tell that story. But Ronnie, for me, who had seen Quest for Fire eight times saying, I want to do that. What you did and your other two boys did, three boys on that show, it blew my mind. And to think I was working with you and I was such a fucking fan. So for you and me to get out of that van, and you'll remember this, to walk onto a set and they had all shot together, the pilot, Theo, you know, and we've talked about this. What was that day like for you? I mean, I was, you know, shit scared. <laughs> um, I felt, and, 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 and I'm about to start. I just, I just glanced at, at my own IMDb um, <laughs> on the plane because you know the the they was the the, the, air, the airline fucked up so bad they gave everybody free Wi-Fi. So you know, <laughs> it was killing time. And I looked and I saw that I have 227 credits. I'm on my 228th uh, gig right now, according to IMDb. <laughs> and I start shooting tomorrow and um, I got diarrhea, man. I'm, I'm so fucking scared. <laughs> Every gig is like that for me, but particularly this one. Wow. Wow. The deck, was, the deck was stacked. I knew that they had already um, tried a version of the show. And then they were going to go back and 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 spend a tr tremendous amount of money taking a shot at a different version of the show. Um, I'm very disoriented. Um, I'm a little intimidated by the notion of playing Clay Morrow, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, and I'm sitting in makeup, and they're putting tattoos on me. And you're sitting next to me and, we're, you know, you're, you're saying, yeah, I found out I was doing the show 1030 last night. And, and, you know, meanwhile, I'm trying to wipe the salt out of my eyes from the sweat <laughs> that's pouring. I'm going, oh, how cool. How cool. I'm trying to I'm trying to maintain my composure. <laughs> and then we take this. We get all finished. We, we get in the van. We, we go to Echo Park. Was it? Yeah. 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 And I get out of the van and there's this heavy set Israeli prop guy. Anybody remember his name? Yeah. No, but fuck, he was. Yeah, there. no, that's what's his name. Uh, oh, what he, he was a great guy. Yeah, oh. he's the fucking best. Um, okay, him and I, me. I'm gonna find out. Go ahead. Yeah, him and me. He, we 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 had a, a beautifully special relationship, but he was this tough Israeli guy, you know, like you know, unsentimental, kind of had a kind of like a drill sergeant mentality. Yeah, he did. And he's standing there with two jewelry trays one of them has watches and the other one has chains and he says which one <laughs> now i haven't even the door of the van opens my not one of my not not either of my feet have touched the ground and he's going <laughs> which one which one i go huh he goes which one <laughs> which one what which watch do you want to wear <laughs> i said i gotta make a decision about what watch Clay Morrow has been wearing for the rest of your life. The, yeah. the bounty that's been endowed upon him by being the president of this club. I now have to make, that's my <laughs> first decision about how I'm going to play Clay. I said, okay, I'll take that watch and that chain. He says, all right, I'll see you later. And he walks away with everything. And then you and me, like that's, that's my first memory of that day. Um, and I had a scene with, um, Oh, 
Tori Kittles. You, you had a seat with oh, Tori. Yeah. Tori's and me and Boone, guy. I met Boone for the first time. I'm sure you did too that day. Our bikes were parked out front. I remember Sutter saying to me the night before, before they, he said, you do ride. I go, I have a fucking ride. I do. So me and Boone had our bike and we were sitting on a picking bench. I had no dialogue watching you and Tori by that pond, right? Pearl by that, that lake, that lake. Yeah. And what a fucking day. Man. Echo Park Lake. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was surreal. I mean, it was like a dream, but it's like, then I remember the, th- the thing kicking in where, you know, all of this insecurity and all of this unsurety, um, they say action. And so you go into, you become, you become a, you're, you're in a different mode, Ali. You're no longer uh, subject to the slings and arrows of gravity and uh, all of the other Newtonian um, principles that guide you through your normal life. You're, you're now um, some sort of um, mythic confection um, trying to find the truth of this other person that you're, you've been hired to play. And I, I guess I said my first line, I guess, and I said, well, I guess that's how Clay talks because I yeah, never yeah. even <laughs> thought about it. You know, I guess I guess he has a little bit of a New York accent. Yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll flow with that. You know, I'll justify that in season three somehow. I don't know. <laughs> I heard you talk like that, and I talk like that too because I was your sergeant at arms, man. We were both from New York, former yeah. Marines. I mean, yeah, no, that's what right. Was, what was really interesting is that before you guys came on, we had filmed whatever it was, sixteen or whatever it was, giant pilot. I had hair. I was a completely different character, completely different name. And I was always like the outcast. And the reason I was the outcast was they hired me as a guest star. I wasn't a regular. And they basically told me, I don't know if you're going to have one line or a hundred. I don't know how many episodes you're going to be on. You're basically just here potentially for a moment. So I was completely ostracized by everybody. Not, not in a mean way. They just kind of were like, let's not get too close to him because he's probably not going to be here. So, I became my the closest person I was was me and Emilio because not just to see the best fucking person on the planet. He was him and I just were like, cool, even though he was a regular because he was playing Tig, right? The original Tig, which was called Hawk. Yeah. So him and I would hang out. I didn't really have a relationship. Not that I didn't talk to the other guys, but I just didn't have the relationship like they had. They apparently all had hung out before it, right? With Linson and Tommy and and Boone and Charlie. Like they had all been like a crew. And I I wasn't part of that. So it was really me and Emilio just kind of being like happy to be there. And then, and you know, and DL was with them and all that. So I, I just was like floating. And then when you guys came on, it was really interesting because of course as someone who fucking has been studying this business forever, I was so excited, but then it was like, Oh, maybe like, like, we'll all be friends. Like this will be like, there'll be two normal people here who just want to like have a conversation and like, enjoy this. And that's kind of how it went with us three. And then obviously, you know, me, Tommy, everybody kind of got together, but I remember how different the vibe was like when you guys came on, meaning that, it felt like a totally different show. It was way like it was disconnected in the beginning. The first one, it, it didn't feel something was off and I couldn't even, I couldn't believe they were reshooting 
the the pilot because what they called up and told us was, hey, they're going to reshoot the pilot, but they're getting rid of two people. And I was like, well, I'm out. All right, cool. And then they were like, no, they're getting. And to think they're getting rid of the two main people that it was because Clay and Hawk were always together. So when you guys came on, I thought, man, this is a lot of pressure on them because you guys had so much to do, especially that first season. That's the stuff with Donna and all that stuff. And then when our first review came out, right, because we would shoot while it was airing and it said the Sopranos on bikes. I think it was like the New York Times or the Post yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then the love just continued forever after that. The show kind of took on a life of its own, but it really isn't in my mind until season two where the show becomes like something different. And I don't know what it's like to be a rock star. You guys have probably experienced it before, but it felt like you were a rock star for a moment from season two on, especially when we were together and we would walk in rooms. You know what I mean? It was like, it was just a different Ronnie. It was, it was, Leo, it was. Ronnie. How rare is that to reshoot a pilot to become the show? It became to recast the lead in you and your right-hand man in me to, to reshoot a pilot to spend well over a million dollars to do that in that eight, nine day. How rare is that Pearl? It's gotta be so rare. Well, I have to tell you, you know, John Landgraf, who is the head of FX, you know, he's the one that um, had the, the, the brass to recognize the show is, is worth doing something with. But there's something about it now chemically that I'm, I'm not flowing with. Mm-hmm. But if we fix this and we fix this, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to green light a whole first season. So yeah, man, he, not only, he not only took a gamble at reshooting, which is very, you ask how rare that is. I've never, you know, I mean, there have been shows that that's happened to, but it's so expensive. And there are so many repercussions. If you, if you trip over your own beard and you fuck it up, you know, there's so many people ready to point their finger at you that, you yeah. know, that's a ballsy move. So for an executive to say, I'm going to recast these roles and I'm going to spend all the money I need to spend to get the pilot cherried out, but I'm going to commit to another 12 episodes on top of it right now because I'm, I'm not sure of my gamble. Wow. That's a, that guy will always remain as the, um, I can't even put into words, but he's, He's a he. He's the smoothest executive I've ever worked for, but he also has the soul of a poet because he he thinks like a storyteller, and he's running a network, and he's responsible for a lot of people's livelihoods. And I give him amazing credit for yep. that gamble that he took, and the fact that it paid off the way it did. It was like the the universe saying, you know, the 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 the, the what is the, the expression? The universe favors the bold. Mm. Is that the expression? Yeah. yeah, it is. You know, you make a bold decision. You, you know, if you're if you're timid, you're going to re- always remain, you know, kind of a very mediocre, yeah. small lane. But if you're very bold, the universe will um, 
will will have you back in in, in many instances, and well, that was an example of that. And what and what you just said, Pearl, is so true as a storyteller. When Landgraf put all the chips in for the shield, the network was going to succeed or fail on that chips in the middle on the shield, and it worked. Then they had a couple of other pretty good, pretty good, pretty. But this show, Sons of Anarchy, at that time in 2008, changed everything for them. it changed everything. Yeah. It was a massive game changer. And when they when they cast you, Perlman, to play, to play Clay, the chemistry that you had with Katie is undeniable. That's one of the reasons why they did it. You brought a sense of humor and toughness and gravitas that we're not we're not talking badly on the first play <coughs> no, at all, no. but it was something that was missing. And however, they got lucky enough. And I'm, I'm just going to say this. I'm sorry, but it's true to cast you and, and, and even me. Yeah. It helped propel that show. And well, pretty- I'll tell you, cause I was part of the first one. What we were missing was the humor. There was no humor. Wow. So you guys had brought like something totally different. And if you really look back at the show, there's a certain, the best moments of that show are the ones that are dark and funny at the same time, right? There was none of that. We didn't have it. We tried. We just didn't have it. Again, I had one line in the pilot, right? We didn't have any humor. And it was like they were inserting you two to bring something different to the show, right? To bring like not just a camaraderie, but a humor. And you two had so much to do in the beginning together that I think that that was a big part of it because – you know, ultimately, they were kind of painting you guys as the bad guys, right? For sure, for sure. In in the in the beginning, and I think that that I think that you needed some kind of humor because we still had to like them because they were still wearing the Reaper. There still had to be something there, a likability that I don't think was happening in the beginning. And again, it's not taking anything away. There's, you know, one of the the hardest things to do is humor and drama at the same time, right? But that was a really big part. So I do feel that that was the main thing that happened. Um, and I think that that stuck with us. And you and I said, Kim, and we're pretty open about it. I don't. Th- I think the show suffered greatly when we started losing the humor because those last few seasons there were no humor at all. No, we're watching them now. There's, yeah. there's, and, you there's know, no you see humor. the thing that the thing that uh, you got to give props to Sutter for is that he identified and when he first took me to lunch and described like this scenario that was you know even hadn't really be, even begun unfolding but he had a he had a a roadmap of listen if 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 this goes right and this goes right and this goes right this is what's going to happen but you got to read Perlman they you know they they're, they're they're gambling so heavy here you have to come in and read for the network I did, you had to audition for the network I had to okay. audition and there were like 25 um Fox executives in the room when I auditioned, but Kurt worked really hard with me on being funny. Wow. <laughs> he said, no he said shit. they really, they really need to see this kind of double-edged sword. They really need to see that this guy has kind of a wink and a nod at, at life. And, you know, and he's got, he's got it covered and he's like, he's got this gallows humor and, and he gave me notes about where to aim for the laugh in my audition, right? Wow. <laughs> and I'm going to tell the story. I don't know if I've ever told it publicly, and I'll probably never work for Fox again when I do. But here it is, baby. So here I, it is, I, baby. I am 
So I, I agree to come in and read. And, but the day after I'm reading, I'm on a plane to Romania to do a movie. And then after that movie, I'm on a plane to Detroit to do another movie. And if everything goes right, I'll come back just in time to start shooting the, the new improved pilot of Sons of Anarchy. So I go in, I read, I'm getting laughs. You could see Sutter is so proud. Like, yeah, here's my funny Clay Morrow. You know, um, I'm, I'm having this like really cool little cat and mouse thing going with Gemma. Um, I'm pulling in and they were both there reading with me. Katie was reading with me. Charlie was reading with me. I'm having this wonderful little kind of like father son kind of like gallows humor thing with Charlie. And the room is just titillated. And I walk out and I turn my phone on i know by the time i get to my fucking car they're gonna be telling me here's my how much money you're making okay (laughs) Uh, i get in my car nothing i drive all the way from um century city to los Feliz during rush hour that's like an hour and a half nothing (laughs) nothing i get home i start packing to go to romania um my phone's ringing finally you know the ID, caller ID, Kurt Sutter. I said, finally. Hey, what's up, man? He goes, listen, I got bad news for you, man. They need for you to come in and read again. I go, what? They go, they thought you were really, really fun, but they didn't see the toughness. (laughs) I know this story. I love this story. And I I said, Kurt, you know I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to do two movies back to back. So logistically, I can't come in. He says, well, they're probably going to go to somebody else. So it, you got to decide right now whether you can, you know, rejigger your schedule and come in even before you go to the airport or whatever. I said, I said, tell these motherfuckers. Yeah. If they don't, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. And if they don't want to give me the part, they can go fuck themselves. That's how tough I am. Just love this so much. And 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 I he said he said but but I said Kurt I gotta go I'm packing, and I hung up the phone. He calls me an hour later. He says, "Okay, okay, you don't have to read." <laughs> wow, <laughs> Rossi, how much it. Rossi? How much do we talk about stuff like that? Oh, it just like happened that? to me. It just happened to me with that Paramount movie. It's the same thing. It's the same shit. It's like you know they want you to dance, 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 and until you turn around and go fuck off, right? Because they'll keep you going forever they'll just keep you on you know bird on the wire they'll just keep you going because they they you know abuse of power absolute power corrupts absolutely and it's like you know that's such a great story because it's unthinkable right for for many young artists it's unthinkable for anyone because what they're dangling in front of you is could be because you're thinking about the could be not the not the thing you're thinking about the could be massive and then you're going to live with the what ifs if you don't so for you to do that is, it, it's uh, to say it's a rarity is an understatement, right? That that doesn't happen because they could have easily taken that. You didn't know if they had like Tom Selleck in the background. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know, using, whoever you don't know if they had someone in the background that they were like the second if this doesn't go, if they were reading someone else, they would go to them. So that's a yeah, 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 you 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 always the, the most powerful thing a human can do 
is be willing to say, I don't need this. Uh, Here's my line. I'm not crossing it. And uh, yeah, but no, no, there's no yeah, buts. Here's my line. I'm not crossing it. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what you dangle, I don't need this. And if you can get to the point where you can be that person, and that was Clay's philosophy. You know, uh, there's nothing more dangerous than a man. There's nothing more dangerous than a man who knows he's already dead. Mm. And, you know, it took me 48 years of therapy for my shrink to finally, (laughs) you know, hammer that into my head. Like, you know, you got to be ready to really, truly walk away from stuff. That's the only power you have. Because you're living in a world. And here's another big one for you kids at home. You're living in a world that is completely and utterly governed by fear. The corporate world is completely and utterly governed by being on the defensive, by not making moves that are going to call attention to the fact that you could get fired for the move you just made. So everybody's terrified and everybody's fucking horrified. And there's fear seeping out of people's pores. And if you dance to that fucking orchestra, they already got you, man. Yeah, you might you know, as well if you already, say, yeah. I'm sorry, I know what I did in the room. And if if that version of Clay Morrow is not um, good enough for you, fine, good luck. I mean, go find somebody else, no problem. I, I you know, I got, I got a train to catch here. Um, if I fuck up in a room, I'm the first one to say, I would love to come back and yep, show you, you another another that. side of me. But when I know I nailed it and you guys are still acting out of fear, I have no desire to be in business with you because it's always going to be like that. Every decision is going to be governed by fear. And an artist cannot work under those conditions. It's just, you know, they, they call it acting because it's active. It's not passive. It's not. You're not doing it on the defensive. You're not doing it to be safe. You're doing it to glorify the human condition, which takes balls and it takes um, making decisions and it takes sticking with them. And, you know, and the universe favors the bold, man. And I think that I think that what you said about fear is something that we discussed a lot in our resolve of all this was. I was, especially me, you guys were in a very different position. I was existing in fear and it really helped the character. It really helped Juice because Juice was existing in fear, but it did not help Theo. Like, you know what I mean? And I was existing in fear because that was the template that was set up, right? Which was, we don't fucking need you. You can go in any moment. We don't care. There's only two people who need to do this show. You know what I mean? And that that was it. So, you know, stay in line, shut the fuck up and do what you got to do. And that fear, I think, again, everything happens for a reason, propelled the performance. But at the same time, there was this cloak of fear that got bigger and bigger and bigger, especially, I believe, after Kim, what did we say yesterday? Like season five or something? Season four, four into five, five, into four six. into five, five into and, six. Yeah. All in and, there. Right after Bill, right after Bill was gone, right? It was kind of like that That was when, okay. And when you're living, I think, like you just said, acting is active. It's such a great line. It's like when you're 
trying to work under that. And it's a really unfortunate situation for people who genuinely loved each other, for people who genuinely had each other's back. That fear started causing the worst of people to come out because everyone was scared. And that fear started eating away at a lot of the relationships and things that started to happen. And that fear was created. Maybe it was for a reason because it made for a hell of a show. Maybe it was, I don't know, but I always wondered what that show would have looked like if we stuck more in the season one, two, and three, even a little bit of four formula. Do you have a take on that Pearl? Just the way the just the way the writing went and the storylines went, and we were you and I and Theo were all on this all leads on this massive hit that I didn't know where Tig was going to go. You were told a lot more. You, Charlie, and Gemma were on the top of that that platform of being told some things. We were told very little, even though we were leads in the show. And I was never surprised, but somewhat shocked as I kept getting scripts and the seasons went on and on. Big hit, but we we couldn't say anything. That's just the way it went. I've said this a lot lately because I've done I've done a lot of soul searching about my own place in trajectory of of sons, which you know I'm obsessed with with getting it right as I go along. So when when I have situations that I look back on that had a kind of a negative kind of aura around them, I really really spend a lot of time going, what 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 went wrong, and what was my place in it and could i have done anything to um influence things differently um i will tell you when i was doing sons over the course of the six seasons i fell in love with the dynamic of the original show you being the sergeant in arms everybody had their thing the the club was everybody you know Everybody had a yep. division of labor that was uh, a division of, of, of different kind of points of view. That was the thing that made the rest of the world go, holy fuck, this is a cool world. I want to hang with these dudes. And when things started to really change, you know, when people started paying for their betrayals, when people started taking directions, when when we got into the whole porn thing, when, you know, when, 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 you know, we're, we're having like, um, I really resisted the changes. Yeah. And now I look back at it and I go, well, that's what a TV show is supposed to do. A TV show is supposed to evolve and it's supposed to change. Whether you agree with it or not, that's none of your fucking business. Mm-hmm. And I think I got too involved in saying, well, it is my business. God damn it. I'm right here. You know, no, I'm not, I'm not the boss. I'm a guy who's, you know, being hired to play a character. And if the 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 network and the and the creators of the show want to turn that character into somebody I no longer really dig, wow. They have the right to do that. But that was the problem with me was they were turning Clay into somebody that I found a way to really admire Clay in the first four seasons. Yep. You know, he did things that were ruthless. He did things that were cruel. He did things that were um, violent and and uh, and for me, you know, like disgusting. But me, I was able to play him because there was a part of his leadership that had nobility to it and honor to it 
because he always was convinced that he was doing everything for the greater good, regardless of how ruthless it was. And when they started writing Clay, where there was no way to bring that into it anymore, there was no nobility. It was just pure self-serving cruelty and one-dimensional bad guyness. I, I revolted a little bit. Yeah. And I resisted a little bit. And shame on me. Um, they were paying me to do it to do a gig. I mentioned this because it's a, it's a dilemma that we are all as artists going to have to deal with it some, especially if you're on a show that lasts as long as ours did, and that is asked to evolve. I mean, I'm watching Lost right now. There was a show that went on in 2004. I'm finally catching up with it now. Those motherfuckers who did that show, they kept pulling the rug out from under them, you know, every five minutes. Mm-hmm. I would have gone nuts on that show. Yeah. You know, because, well, I thought I was playing this guy. No, 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 you know, no, he's a fucking piece of shit, evil cocksucker. Oh, really? Oh, no, I don't want to play him anymore. Well, here's the door. Yeah. Well, that, you know? but that for me, Ronnie, just off, off of what you just said, for Kim Coates, this was the first show. <clears throat> that I decided I would do as a regular. It was always arcs. It was always a couple of, you know, arc, but never as a regular because I was one of those guys who loved to obviously read the film script, read the one episode and see the arc and know where the guy's going to, but to actually trust in my decision and Sutter and Linson to come along to play this psychotic bad boy biker and have them look me in the face and going, no, no. He will cry. He will be funny. He will have issues. He's going to love animals. Please come along for this ride. And I'm so glad I did. But it was frightening as fuck to find out some of the things that they were then asking us as actors to do. But I was such a rookie. And you've been on Elite. Well, Beauty and the Beast for sure. Maybe one other, Ronnie, a big hit where you'd see. Did you know the writing in Beauty and the Beast? Did they tell you what was going to happen? Or was that a surprise too? No, I'm a guy who actually. You know, and I said this to Kurt, I said, you know, I'm I'm okay with you not telling me anything. Right. I like to get it as it's coming in because I got enough on my plate playing this episode that we're in right now to have to worry about, you know, and I don't want anything. If you if you knew that I needed to know something now that was going to influence what happened five episodes from now, I'm sure you would tell me. Right. Yeah, right. And he would go, well, I'm not even sure I would. I go, well, that's fucked up. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm good with it. You know, just give me one script at a time. I'm good with it. And I, I've been that way about about everything. And, you know, but you, you get to the point where you look at the script and you go, wait, what? Really? Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do that. You know, and, and that happened. And um, I'm not... Um, I, I, I'm not, that was, that's one of those things where I look back on how I reacted and went, no, Ron, that was inappropriate. And, um, I learned a lot and I continue to learn. Um, and my, does that mean that this director I'm going back to work with tomorrow is not going to feel my fucking boot up his ass? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> so come on, Rossi, what do you want to, I mean, the Pearl, I mean, well, on, no, you know what it is? I mean, I think that this we've been so fortunate because there's a lot of people you bring up Lost and, you know, other shows like that that have that have really 
taken their place in the history of television, right? Sons is obviously one of them. We also have such a different system with all of us, right? Because it was supposed to be a family. And here we are, however many years later, and it's going to continue until, you know, the fucking lights are out just because that's the way it is, even with the ebbs and flows of it, right? You, you, I think we went through our times together where there were moments we didn't speak and there were moments of this. And then, you know, we come back and it's, and it's this certain thing and who's meant to be together will be together and who's not is not right. And eventually there's a way to look back and understand things have a different lens when you look at them. I think that for us with this, and I'm so fortunate that I, and, and again, Niagara is something where you guys all get to be together. We'll be together in Chicago and all that. It's like, it's such an important part of the whole thing. There's so many things that happen. Ron, I was talking, we were talking yesterday about when we were supposed to go to San Diego and you and I, you drove instead of taking a bike and I went with you and we were in the car and it was the first time someone had introduced me to Bob Dylan. And like, I had heard Dylan, but like only like maybe like one or two, but you went on this big, like however many hours it is to get to San Diego. Two and a half hours. of Two and a half hours of Bob Bob Dylan. Everything like you were like, listen to this song and listen to what he says here and listen to this song. And and again, I never stopped listening to it since. But it was like that was such an important moment. There's those are the little things that I remember more than the the stuff that, you know, is ridiculous. Right. The stuff that kind of maybe was not the right way or done the right way. I look at the stuff of like us fucking laughing out loud at that table all the time, right? To being Come hard. On, come in. You, you at the head of the table. Um, What was that? For? Alice or was Wendy? What the? <laughs> what, what was her name? Margaret? Anyway, whatever. Your jokes were just like, whatever. So funny. And the happy ending. I mean, sorry. Yeah. Like the bar. The bar. The, that the fucked bar. people up. And I got to tell you, we talked about girl, that briefly. How much that we fucked have. people the, up. We the bar together. rather than the way of life. Yeah, correct. <laughs> we were together all the time. That? We were together all the time when we weren't shooting. Even when we were in hiatus, we were together all the time. It was really odd. No, but you talk about um, how things change. Before, Way before the world threw their arms around Sons of Anarchy. Because if you remember... Our opening night, yeah. our pilot aired yeah. when Sarah Palin was yeah. being nominated to yeah. give her speech at the Republican National Convention. We'll never so instead of getting a 68 share, we got a 23 share because yeah. everybody was watching Sarah Palin. Yeah. And it took the world about five episodes to kind of catch up with, oh, wait, there's this show over here, you know? Yeah. And where our, where where we, we began to go through the roof was that episode where the carnival comes to town yeah. and one of the local young girls gets raped, but yeah. it turns out it's the guy who plays the clown, the clown. in the carnival. Yeah. And at the end of the show, we castrate him and we leave him to bleed out. And the following week, our numbers doubled. And I said, I guess Sons of Anarchy found its, its mojo. <laughs> you know, as long as we fucking castrate motherfuckers and have them bleed out right there on the screen, <laughs> we're going to get a big cosmic. We're going to get a big. Hug. We continue you know, to do that. We continue. And, to do and, that. And, and, and from that point on, but, but before any of that happened, we were going out every fucking night, the whole cast, you, Charlie Boone, Emilio, uh, all of us, um, the guys anyway. And, 
drinking and laughing and having fun and carrying each other to each other's cars because we, we couldn't <laughs> fucking walk on our own two legs. And we were already in love with each other before there was any shit out there to fight over. Then uh, we got picked up for season two way earlier than we should have because the, the network said, oh man, I see what's happening here. Same thing happened season three. And I feel like for those, for that period of time, we were riding on this magic carpet where we were in love with each other. The world was in love with us. It was just one big love fest. Yeah. And then you talk about what it's like to be a rock star. You start seeing yourself on the charts and like, well, we only made it to number three this week. And you start seeing, you know, what, what gig did I get for the hiatus? Well, he got a way cooler gig than me i got nothing and all of a sudden the dynamic starts to change because with success comes great um change success is the hardest thing to navigate in the entire world when you're nobody and you got nothing to lose that's a bob dylan line when you ain't got nothing you got nothing to lose man and when we were when we had nothing to lose we were as tight as a drum and it started to get funky man when everybody realized that oh, we're on, they're putting us on different tiers. We got this one tier over here and this other, you know, part of it was how they played it. And part of it was just the way things happen when you start to have shit to lose. You know, people start to think differently. People start to act differently. People start looking over their shoulder a little bit. Like, what the fuck do you want? You know, people start looking at you askew. Whereas before it was like, bro, you know, you know, it's, and, it's all good. It's all good, man. And one of the things Theo and I talk about, Pearl, the thing, one of the things I missed the most about that show was not being able to really say goodbye to Clay. Yeah. Was not being able to really say goodbye to my, my brother. That, that, like, that there was as no take, one better than you. And, 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 I, and I, I remember getting tossed a little bone little tiny bone before Don got killed beginning of season five, I go see you and you've done your shit. Now you got these prospects coming in doing that shit. And we didn't know much what was going on. My point was I really felt kind of lost without you without clay. Now I played it and I used it and I did what I had to do, but it was never the same. And if you remember before we executed clay Morrow, there was even remember you got one juice. You guys yeah. got to share a look. Yeah, we had a hand. hug. We had a hug and a look. And, but I and always I'm said just, it should have been a Tig and Clay. There should have been something for Tig and Clay. They'd been through too much. I thought that was a. I thought that was a big miss by the writing team. There should have been something there with those two at that moment. Whether it be a Mia Culpa or whether it be something like a like a thing, because they they had gone through so much together. And you see, what we're doing right here is we're discussing what we wish we would have yeah. Yeah. gotten, yeah. been given. And there's the dilemma, the big artist dilemma, because we do have opinions about what it is we should be do, using our skill set to do. And very often, especially in a, in a series that runs as long as this, we are being asked to do things that are very, very different from the shit you signed up for. 
Yeah. And that you don't have any respect for. And you say, God, I wouldn't have done it that way. And then you get punished because you have an opinion because like, who the fuck are you? You're just the hired help, motherfucker. Mm. You don't think we're paying you handsomely enough? You keep your fucking mouth shut. And I go, no, I'm sorry, man. I have opinions. I have ways I want to use my art. I have, I have, I have to have a say in what characters I'm going to play and what directions they take. And, and the cool thing is, is that if I don't, if, if somebody sends me a strip and I don't like the character and I don't want to spend any time, you know, dissecting that humanity, I say no. But you, you, don't, you can't do that when you're in the fifth nope. season of the TV show. No, you can't. But that doesn't take away from the fact that I had very strong opinions. And getting back to the whole Clay wind-up thing, I was led to believe when I was told this is going to be your last year, Ron. Um, I was, it was described to me as this is the time where Clay redeems himself and goes individually to all of the members that he's hurt over the years and has. And I went, well, that's fucking, that's a cool, I can yeah. totally float. I can get into that. Because, be because, you know, redemption, holy shit. That's like Greek theater, man. That's like, yep. that's like fucking Oedipus, you know, like yeah. the, the guy plucks his eyes out because he, you know, he knows he's fucked up so bad and then goes around to everybody and says, you know, how can I ever apologize? And that's, that's a that's an arc I would have loved to have seen. And then we would have had I would have had my moments with each and every one of you, including Charlie. Like, yeah, yeah, I killed your old man. And let me tell you, you know, and he he didn't give me that. He he went, he you know, put me in prison and, and, and isolated me from the group. And and it was the uh, absolute opposite of having that redemption journey, having that. Oedipus and Colonus moment, you know, where he gets a chance to get good with God and then, okay, take me, yeah. you shoot me in the fucking head. I'm good with that. I deserve it. But I wanted to make, make sure you knew what I was thinking all those, all those years. And that would have been something that I could have really wrapped my arms around. And what I was given to do pissed me the fuck off. Mm. And I'm saying that now in public for the first time. and. Maybe that's why uh, uh, there's this bittersweet kind of uh, relationship with the show. Does that color the way I regard the, the, the experience of being on the Sons of Anarchy? Absolutely not. But it was just one of those things that you navigate as an artist and you have to figure out a way to do it where you don't destroy the production, you don't destroy yourself. And you try not to destroy the relationships that are the most meaningful for you. Well, talking to you, Perlman, is like this to me, because, I mean, obviously, you, me, and Theo have remained tight since 2014 when the show's been over. But for me, Ronnie, and I told you this in Niagara Falls on Friday night when, when we saw each other, to go back as TIG eight years later, to strap on the cut, and my belt and my knife and my bangles to see Don's uh, initials in the left and Fawn's on the right, my necklace, my, I looked like Tig, my, my bike, they picked it up and they made sure that it, it, my point is 
to have Emilio to do my stuff with and other things as well, but to have him there and to have him talk about you, Ronnie, he always talks about Theo, but to talk about you and our days on Suns, I, I got to not only feel super fucking weird being Chig again, but I reflected on the past and it was nothing but good shit when you're around Emilio, when you're around Ron Perlman, when you're around Theo Rossi, Dayton fucking Cali in his mm. goddamn back office. I've been lucky enough to see him once or twice over the last couple of years. He's getting older by the day. We all are. But there's nothing but good, good reflections when I when I see the boys like that. For me as well. You know, the the I just as you know, man, I mean, um very, very blessed that we're still in each other's lives, very blessed that we still get a chance to spend time together and watch each other. Right. Now that we're in a post sons modality and, you know, some of us have become dads and, and some of us have become, um, grandpas. Yeah. Grandpas, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, um, it's a beautiful thing. Um, when I look back on the millions and millions of people that I've, uh, interacted with as a result of being so blessed to be in this business for so long, and how many of them I can still call friends and yeah, we still call each other and check in with each other and, and, and see each other whenever we're, you know, is it all possible? You can count it on one hand. And um, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just nothing but grateful. Yeah. In, in a business of gypsies, like what we have is so incredibly special. And I don't, I don't, I, I've learned now to not take that for granted ever because it's such a fucking rarity. Like, you know, you go through that whirlwind of production with people and, you know, some people you super vibe with and you're like, this is amazing. Wow. What a great person this is going to be great. And then you never speak to them again. You might see them somewhere. You might run into them. So I knew that this transcended that I knew it's something special because there is, you know, we do get to do cons. We do get to do reunion things. We do get to do stuff like this because, and that's because of the significance of that project. So I love you. I, I, uh, Bro, I, man, I, truly I, I fucking love you, pro man. I love you guys so much, man. So yeah. I love you so hard. Motherfuckers. So hard. So, <laughs> so hard. Good. Motherfuckers. So good, motherfuckers. Clay fucking Morrow, man. You broke the yeah. mold. We love you, man. I mean, well, so go, much. Go give that director hell. Go kick him in the ass. Kim, <laughs> go go move and change your address because people are going to be coming. Google. Out. I love you, yeah, bro. I love I'm you. Go hide. All right, Bye, guys. Love you. Thanks for doing right. this, fellas. Thanks for having me. Love, love you, you Ryan. Love you, bro. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. You know the deal. Theory Pod, hashtag Theory Pod, capital T H E O, small R Y, capital P O D. If we're talking Reaper reviews, it's the hashtag Reaper reviews with the double R. Go everywhere where the where this podcast is available, and go subscribe and follow Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever. And uh, and then if you want to see the videos, go on to YouTube and subscribe to the page. We got some cool stuff coming. Um, like I always say. This life goes by in a blink, so stay up, stay awake, keep being the example, um, and let's keep making a difference, all right? All right. Hey, yo. 
Shout out to my crew, the Theory Team. The team, okay? Starting with my incredible editor, Caroline Kawash, to the incredible design skills of Cesar Arvello, to the other designer slash web slash everything, Justin Tordella. Go look them up. Go follow them. Go thank them. They're an incredible team, and I wouldn't be even remotely able to do a second of this without them. So shout out to the entire theory team, uh, or as we say in New York, big up, um, incredible people, incredible humans, and I'm fortunate and proud to have them. 